today on Public Trust. There's a corporate playbook that they all know how to go by, but there's not a citizen playbook. We head to the small town of Peshtigo in northern Wisconsin to learn about how residents there have been engaged in a years-long David and Goliath battle with a major company that polluted their water supply with PFAS. What are we doing to this planet? What are we leaving? We have to wake up. We here in the United States wait till we have a problem, and then we try to solve it. We're not looking off into the future enough. The people can impact change. I'm Rochelle Wilson, and this is Public Trust, a podcast from Midwest Environmental Advocates and Wisconsin Sea Grant. In this series, we're visiting Wisconsin communities impacted by PFAS contamination to understand how residents have been affected by PFAS pollution and what state and local officials are doing about it. PFAS are a group of thousands of chemicals nicknamed forever chemicals because they don't break down in the environment. In the first three episodes of Public Trust, we focused on French Island, a community near La Crosse that's trying to find a path forward after groundwater contamination caused by PFAS. We also took a trip to the Lacoudere Reservation to learn about PFAS research and tribal communities. Today, we're traveling east to Peshtigo. Peshtigo and its neighboring town, Marinette, lie on Wisconsin's border with the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. All right, we're pulling up to our first interview in Peshtigo. <laughs> Are you a handshaker? Yep. <laughs> Good to meet you. Hey. How's your day going? We see a lot of bald eagles. They fish up and down the bay, and they'll use some of the big old white pines here in the neighborhood uh, for perches and wait for an opportunity to find something to eat. That's Trigvi Rude. He's a born and raised Wisconsinite with Norwegian heritage who loves the outdoors. He says he's not a birder, but he could have fooled me. Yeah, I definitely see a lot of birds in particular, shorebirds, um, ducks, geese, of course, the standard old geese, but uh, sandhill cranes, egrets. I'm hearing a call right now. Is that just a Canada goose? Yeah, I think I, I hear a goose in the background. I've got my hearing aids in and I can just barely hear that song. <laughs> Trigby grew up in Peshtigo, a small town that sits along the Bay of Green Bay. I actually grew up about three houses away from the one I'm in, so been here my whole life, 65 years worth. And residents are quick to correct anyone who calls it the lake. I'm very fortunate. I live on the Bay of Green Bay, um, which of course is a, a little little snippet of Lake Michigan. And don't ever call this thing out here I'm looking at here the lake because my mother would correct you and say, it's not the lake, it's the bay. <laughs> After leaving the Peshtigo Marinette area for college, Trey came back to his hometown and moved into a house just around the corner from where he grew up. He says he loves it here. Marinette's a, a pretty blue-collar town, lots of manufacturing. Um, back in the days, it was, you know, lumbering, mainly. The area is fantastic. I mean, it, it's, there's still things to do, but yet it's very rural in nature, and uh, you can go very short distance and be out in the woods by yourself. Water is huge. Um, you know, it's not, not just a thing for recreating in, but of course, <laughs> safe, clean drinking water. But, you know, we've got the Peshtigo River, the Menominee River, the Bay of Green Bay, and of course, all the smaller tributaries to those two rivers. 
Um, some of the best water, white water rafting in the Midwest is on the Peshtigo and the Menominee Rivers, just 25, 30 miles upstream from here. So we're very fortunate. But everything changed in late 2017 when he got a letter from Tyco, a major manufacturer of firefighting products. You may recall from our previous episodes that firefighting foam is a major source of PFAS in the environment. I've been involved in the, the PFAS issue since the day I got a letter from Tyco saying my groundwater was possibly contaminated in 2017. So I started researching it, and, and then, of course, everybody starts talking about it. And Trigby wasn't the only one. Many residents of Peshtigo received a letter that would change their lives, including retired teacher Ruth Kowalski. We were notified by a letter I believe it was November of 2017. My husband read the letter. Well, we have to go to this meeting. It concerns our water. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to go. I wasn't interested. And then he's like, no, we really, our water is contaminated. And then he gave me the letter. And then I started researching it. So how did we get here? Firefighting equipment is of no value unless you know how to use it. Here, we teach people how to use it. The fire suppression industry came to Marinette all the way back in 1940. That's when Tyco Fire Protection Products started the Ansel Fire School. In scenic Marinette, Wisconsin, the Ansel Fire School maintains a large 27-acre facility featuring a variety of industrial props to create realistic fire scenarios and enable true-to-life, hands-on firefighter training. The Ansel Fire School was created to train firefighters on the latest technology and techniques. In the 1960s, they started training with AFFF firefighting foam, of which PFAS is the active ingredient. For the next five decades, Tyco continued to use AFFF foam outdoors for training, meaning that for all that time, PFAS was leaching into the water supply below Marinette and Peshtigo. Tyco, now a subsidiary of Johnson Controls, found PFAS contamination on their site in 2013, but they didn't report it to the Department of Natural Resources until 2017. That's when residents of Marinette and Peshtigo were notified about the contamination. When those letters from Tyco arrived in 2017, Peshtigo residents found themselves embroiled in what would become a years-long battle for clean water. Ruth, a lifelong educator, immediately hit the books to learn more about PFAS. I live in the plume, so as the crow flies, we are a mile from the testing field. These are notes that I took at the very beginning. This is information they gave us at the first meeting. Who's they? Tycho was there. They gave us uh, some information to explain polyfluoral alkali substances or PFAS. It does not biodegrade. It's in the in the environment for millions of years. It causes testicular, liver, kidney cancers and disease. I have pages of notes. It was like, I don't know, it's still overwhelming. Five and a half years later, especially now that I've talked to many of my neighbors that have many of these 
diseases and then within my own family. It's a lot to take in, especially when you learn that these forever chemicals have leached their way into your water supply, your home. Uh, the initial letter was just kind of a heads up, here's here's the issue. And, of course, I personally, I mean, I, I took that very, very personally and very hard because I had fought for 30-plus years on this arsenic contamination against that same company. And here they are, you know, personally affecting my drinking water and my drinking water that I've been drinking in this neighborhood my entire life, not just a few years, but my entire life. So I, I was really hurt. It, it was, it's kind of a different feeling I've ever, that I've ever had. Um, you know, I, you hear people talk about um, their house being burgled or something to that nature and how they talk about it being so personal. And I think that's the same, kind of the same feeling. It's something that hits you directly and, yeah, makes you think really hard about <laughs> which, what's been going on for a lot of years. For Trigvi, it was also like a serious case of environmental deja vu. For 32 years, he had worked to delist the Lower Menominee River as an area of concern in the Great Lakes watershed. Basically, what this requires is a major cleanup of hazardous chemicals. In this case, arsenic salts discharged into the river by none other than Tyco. We just recently finished the area of concern and officially delisted the Menominee River as one of the worst contaminated spots on the Great Lakes, literally within months of getting this letter in the mail. So again, I'm like, I was looking forward to not being involved in some big issue like this. And here's one that I don't have any choice but to be involved in because my well is contaminated with the stuff. We had our first meeting with Tycho and we were all asking questions. And of course, until I left, I, they were downplaying it. Like, it wasn't that bad. It's not that bad, you know, and we're going to do this. We're going to give you bottled water. We're going to test your water. Later, I found out they knew for three years that this was in our drinking water and never told us. It was immoral and unconscionable. They're young families. After that first meeting hosted by Tycho, Ruth and her neighbors decided to start meeting on their own. We had a meeting at the Dome Lanes. We came together, all of the neighbors, and from there we started a citizen advisory group. And our main goal was to study and find out as much as we could. So we go in with some facts and data and it wasn't in the paper. People were not, you know, understanding it. They weren't interested unless it truly affected them, mm. which I have to say, I was guilty of that myself until this dropped in my, you know, it was like shame on me to, for not being more aware of our environment, aware of what these uh, industries are doing. So, yeah, it, it's made me more vocal. I don't like public speaking because I always cry when I, <laughs> when, it, when it, 
you know, affects me personally. So, but again, shame on me for not being involved in my local government. So now I really encourage my children and grandchildren that we are just as guilty by not doing anything. So we have to become more aware and that they should find that thing that really motivates them and find one thing and work at it. Whether now mine is water, <laughs> but you know, that we should be active in our government and our community. And then have you been to Kayla's yet? That's our next stop. Okay. Um, uh, when you leave my house, you turn right and you're gonna go down to Raider Road. Just down the road from Ruth is Kayla Furton. Okay, is that it? Tan Farmhouse? I think it's on the lakeside with a wraparound porch. You have arrived. Hello, thanks so much for making the time. You Kayla, I'm Michelle, this is Bonnie. Nice to meet you guys. You can say hi. Hello. You want to go by the kids, okay, that's fine. Kayla was raised in Peshtigo, moved away, and came back to settle here in 2016 with her family including three small children. She gave us a tour of the property, which includes waterfront access to the bay. So this is where I grew up. It was about 36 years ago. My parents moved me here, and my dad was a soil scientist at the time and looked at the water flow patterns to make sure that the well would be safe, and they tested it annually. But they had no way of knowing that Tycho Johnson Controls was open ground testing against industry suggestion or guidelines um, and that our water was contaminated then and then we moved back here in 2016. Um, here we are and we were excited to buy my childhood home and have waterfront for the kids and there's five acres of woods in the back but we didn't we didn't know that it was completely contaminated with PFAS. This is so much more than a house. Um, my parents have actually offered to buy it back from us multiple times and they said if we had any idea of the contaminations we we wouldn't have sold it to you and our response is like we we would have wanted to fight for it anyway because you know this is special and the other thing is there's so much privilege attached to being able to move not everyone can even before returning to Peshtigo Kayla was already familiar with the health risks of PFAS and had been trying to limit her family's exposure we had been taking steps to remove specifically PFAS from our lives. We, I'd gotten rid of all of our non-stick cookware. At the time, we avoided bottled water because of other concerns over other chemicals leaching in. You know, and then we're put in this position that our water is not safe for our kids. Um, we have to mitigate exposure now. Um, and that's a really scary feeling. And, you know, it's, it's sadly not unique. Kayla's family received their letter from Tycho in 2018, a year after Trigvi and Ruth had received theirs. It was literally just a letter that got delivered FedEx overnight and said, you are now in, and I think at the time they just called it the plume of PFAS contamination. Um, and it was interesting because prior to that, the edge of their boundary had been about six houses north. My husband and I really felt a lot of fear, um, and not so much 
immediate fear of the water because we knew it was a possibility, but kind of a fear of the future of what does this mean for our kids? What does this mean for our community? JCI Teichel, their designated area, you know, basically ends at street boundaries. So if you're on one side of the street and have contamination, you could be eligible for their POET system, their in-house treatment, bottled water. So I have both bottled water and a whole house treatment system. If you live on the other side of that street, your well would not have been tested and you get nothing. Groundwater moves, it doesn't stay. So the folks on the other side of some of these roads most likely, and some do have contamination. Trigby's talking about what's called the Potable Well Study Area, or Tycho's designated area. It's a small area near the Fire Technology Center, where Tycho has taken some responsibility for the PFAS contamination, including providing water solutions to residents living within the narrow boundaries. But this small area doesn't represent the full extent of PFAS contamination in the community. After all, as Trigg said, water doesn't respect legally drawn boundaries, and neither does PFAS. That leaves some residents of Peshtigo living in what's called the further investigation area, without any solutions from Tyco. Fortunately, the Wisconsin DNR has stepped in to provide temporary solutions for the people living here. But residents like Kayla say it should be the polluters who are held responsible there's the potable well study area, there's a settlement area, and then there's an even further investigation area, which to me says divide and conquer. There's a corporate playbook that they all know how to go by, but there's not a citizen playbook. It wasn't long after getting her letter that Kayla began looking for ways to turn her fear into action. I called any and every resource I could find um, as far as how do we advocate, what does this mean, what are our options, and um, talk to so many people that weekend. I knew Ruth through working in education, and that's how I got connected with the group. They were called the Concerned Friends and Neighbors group at the time, which I just have to smile because it's just, it's exactly what we still are. <laughs> but I, I walked into the meeting, which was at the local two-year college down the road, and I think I took 10 pages of notes. Um, so SOH2O, um, also known as Save Our Water, um, is the group that was born out of that concerned friends and neighbors group that initially started. You know, it's amazing how, you know, we say community voices matter, community action makes a difference. Um, but I have had such, I've had the privilege, the distinct privilege to get a front row seat to that and see, yes, people's voices, community action, it matters. Um, and people can impact change on every level. Um, so that has been um, a big positive in, in the middle of this literal mess. This grassroots citizens group, SOH2O, first took on the fight for a statewide water quality standard for PFAS in municipal drinking water. And they were instrumental in getting that passed. Now they're playing a major role in the fight for a similar water quality standard for groundwater, which is the drinking water source for people who have private wells. So SOH2O um, 
We met with the new secretary of the DNR, um, Adam Payne, to directly advocate for groundwater standards for PFAS in Wisconsin, because there have been drinking water standards passed, and we hear that and we think, oh, the water we drink. Well, that's municipal drinking water systems. Groundwater is what governs wells, and one third of Wisconsinites rely on wells for drinking water and currently have no PFAS standards. And while the EPA is moving forward with their maximum contaminant levels, they have no jurisdiction over groundwater. So that really is the only path. And as if that weren't enough, SOH2O is working to hold Tyco accountable under Wisconsin's spills law. The spills law really boils down to the principle that if you make a mess, you are responsible for cleaning it up. Here's Tony Wilkin Gibbard, executive director of Midwest Environmental Advocates. The spills law is a bedrock environmental law that has been on the books since 1978. It generally allows the state to respond when toxic substances are released into the environment, and PFAS is certainly an example of a toxic substance. Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, our state's largest business lobby, is suing the state over the state's use of the spills law to order that sites of PFAS contamination be cleaned up. WMC contends that the way the state has been using that law to protect Wisconsin communities is illegal, and it has been illegal for the 40 plus years that it's been on the books. If they're successful in that lawsuit, it would mean that the Department of Natural Resources can no longer use the spills law to protect communities from any hazardous substance until they go through a complicated, time-consuming rulemaking process that doesn't always end in success, like we talked about with the case of the PFAS groundwater quality standard. So it, it would throw the future of the spills law into serious jeopardy. It's, it's not clear that the spills law would ever function again like it has for the last four plus decades. That case is currently before the Wisconsin Court of Appeals, which is the appellate court in between the trial court level and the Wisconsin Supreme Court. It is likely that the Court of Appeals will make a decision on that case in the next several months, and I think it is very likely that the matter will eventually be addressed by Wisconsin Supreme Court, which will ultimately decide the issue. Members of SOH2O spoke at a press conference in 2021. Here's Doug Oitzinger, another member of SOH2O who works with Kayla. Because of the spills law, the DNR has been able to order Tyco Johnson Controls to provide people with bottled water. They've directed an investigation of the contamination to identify how bad the contamination is, how far it's spread, where it's located throughout our communities. Under DNR supervision, Tyco has been preparing a remediation plan. Without the DNR's action on the spills law, we wouldn't know what's going on right now and there'd be no remediation, there'd be no bottled water. We'd still be waiting. But instead, we have had action and progress is being made. But this lawsuit threatens to unravel all of that. Corporate polluters are certainly not going to hold themselves accountable, and that's why we need the spills law. If the DNR loses that authority to enforce Tyco's testing and remediation plan, I expect that the PFAS contamination will continue to devastate my community. 
Kayla has been instrumental to the success of Save Our Water, and she served alongside Doug on the steering committee for years. Then, to her surprise, she found herself considering a run for a local government position in Peshtigo. I actually, I laugh really hard when, like, if you would have told me that I would be on the town board, like, no, never. <laughs> and I would never would have guessed this. Um, I, I would say, um, you know, it's hard that usually it's something bad that spurs you to action. But it's interesting when I've thought about this before, like when I think of my parents, because they, they were both educators. They were both, my mom is actually on the school board now, which she never thought she would run for elected office either. But they have always been very engaged in the community and very engaged in advocating for people. And I look at that and I'm like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be surprised that I ran for Town of Peshtigo because my entire life growing up and, you know, my values growing up were instilled in me as you work for the community. I've continually been inspired by the folks in Marinette Peshtigo who organized themselves and took on and are taking on a large multinational corporation to get accountability for their community, the power and the tenacity that they have shown, keeping in mind their community, the health of their families, but also being the leading edge of our response as a state. In the face of that crisis, folks rose to the occasion, mobilized, and are making a difference far beyond the borders of Marinette and Peshtigo. Almost everyone I've spoken with in Marinette and Peshtigo has talked about the long and difficult nature of dealing with PFAS contamination. And it's no different with this lawsuit. I wondered what motivates them to keep going. It's an extremely uphill long battle, and this is something I bring up at meeting after meeting after meeting, is that unfortunately these things take time. Uh, again, back to the Menominee River, you know, 32 years to get that delisted as one of the worst contaminated spots on the Great Lakes. So this stuff doesn't move fast, unfortunately. And I try to remind people often that, you know, patience is a real virtue in this case where um, you want to get the best solution for the most amount of people, and that's going to take time. Trig was much younger than me and rode the bus with me, so I've known the roods, but then, you know, really I've gotten to know him since the water committee. So he kept talking about being patient, that it's a long haul, and I didn't want to hear that, and I wanted it all fixed yesterday. <laughs> but five and a half years later, I realized this will not be solved probably in my lifetime. And finally, it turned around for me that I realized that this is just going to be a long, arduous process, and that I can't let them break me, you know, to quit. Because I think sometimes their methods are, you know, to keep putting it off and whatever, that you'll just give up. But, you know, I want, this is a beautiful area. And I want our township to continue to grow. And I'd love to be able to give my grandkids property to build a house. But I don't 
you know, unless until we have water, I can't really even have offer that. I don't want to offer that to them. I was going to ask what in this journey has given you hope? It's probably the, the little things that I have had neighbors stop me and thank me. I uh, received a card from a neighbor that said something that I didn't realize there were people out there yet that did things without expecting something. It was a very nice card. It's those little things that, that um, all of us want to feel appreciated and valued or, you know, I'm hopeful. Like I said, it probably won't be in my lifetime, but we're going to get there. You're laying the foundation. Yeah, hope so. <laughs>